Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 today on study verse by verse genesis chapter 14 one great pastor and bible scholar observed that genesis 14 would make an exciting action movie it contains all the necessary elements of a great story a riveting plot villains a crisis a hero strategy swordplay and acts of daring a surprising twist and just as critical to good storytelling, meaningful character development. Well, that should hold your attention, right? Welcome to Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely. Well, today we continue our journey through Genesis, and we open up chapter 14. As Pastor Leighton just mentioned, it's an exciting chapter, so join us. And be encouraged as we understand storytelling three, 4,000 years ago. And how it relates to us today. Now, we call him Abraham, but actually for the first 99 years of his 175-year lifespan, he was known as Abram. Abram became Abraham in chapter 17 when God renamed him. And so I'm using the names interchangeably. We're talking about the same person, if I say Abram or Abraham. He lived around 2000 B.C. in a time when the knowledge of God was very sparse. Uh, civilizations worshipped many gods that have their own invention that they had created, and, and, and they used superstitions to explain what was unexplainable. They didn't recognize the existence of one true creator of all things. But Abraham claimed there was only one true creator and that all of their gods did not really exist, and he, he, he staked his life on this belief. And today, this man is revered by the majority of the world as the father of faith, And the story is preserved for us in Genesis and tells us much about what we need to know about faith. The biblical biography of Abraham has much to teach anyone uh, who wants to know God. And as we study the uh, life of Abraham and Sarah, we learn about what, what faith is and how to walk by faith. And we discover that if we trust in the Lord, that there is no test that is impossible and there is no failure that is permanent. Now, we're introduced to Abram and Sarah and Abram's father, Terah, and his nephew, Lot, in Genesis chapter 12. And in Genesis chapter 12, Abram and his household all flee to Egypt because of a famine in Canaan. The mistake that he made was not praying to God for guidance before he took off. And so when he got to Egypt, he resorted to scheming in order to protect his life. See, Sarah was very, very beautiful. And, uh, and so he was afraid that somebody might kill him so that they could marry his wife, uh, now a widow. And so he asked to be introduced as her brother, which would also make him her guardian. And as his guardian, he thought he could deflect any would-be suitors uh, for Sarah. But his plans didn't account for the romantic attention of Pharaoh himself. And so Pharaoh took Sarah to become one of his wives... But before they came together, Pharaoh found out that Sarah was already married to Abram. And although Abram could have been killed for what he did, instead Pharaoh sent Abram and all of his party away, and they returned to Canaan. 
Now, in the next chapter, chapter 13, we find a transformed Abram. He is no longer scheming for safety and comfort and wealth. There is a problem that's revealed in this chapter between he and his nephew Lot. They were having a problem about having enough grazing land for their livestock. And although custom would have given Abram first choice, Abram chose to set aside his own rights and allow Lot first choice. And Lot chose the choicest lands, the best lands, which, by the way, happened to be next to the wealthy city of Sodom. And so we find that Lot looked towards Sodom. And then he moved towards Sodom. And now in this chapter, we find out he moved into Sodom. And uh, so that information then provides us the setting for the events that are recorded in chapter 14. One great pastor and Bible scholar observed that Genesis 14 would make an exciting action movie. It contains all the necessary elements of a great story. A riveting plot, villains, a crisis, a hero. Strategy, swordplay, and acts of daring. A surprising twist, and just as critical to good storytelling, meaningful character development. By the time the crisis resolves, we know these people. We've seen their motivations. We can appreciate the potential for good. We grieve the flaws of some, and we admire the greatness of others. But most important of all, this exciting narrative is a goldmine of great truths. It's a gold mine of spiritual truths. Now, chapter 14 describes a typical war of the ancient world in which uh, powerful kings formed a coalition to subjugate the land that had been promised to Abram. For a dozen years, the cities of Canaan had served Ketelemer as a vassal city, as vassal cities, meaning they paid him heavy taxes in exchange for his protection. Now, according to the arrangement, uh, he guaranteed their safety from any potential marauders, but if they failed to pay him, they would need protection from him. And after 12 years, the kings of the five cities of the Jordan River Valley, Sodom, Gomorrah, Adma, Zeboim, and Zoar, also known as Bela, uh, decided that the time had come to stop this extortion. And in response to this, and in an effort to put down this rebellion, four powerful kings from the east invaded the Jordan Valley near the Salt Sea, which we know today as the Dead Sea, defeating all of the forces in the region and plundering these five kings, and in the process, taking Lot captive. You know, when you enroll in the school of faith, you never know what's going to happen next. In one chapter, you find Abram settling a boundary dispute with his nephew. And you come back to the next chapter, and you can see him gearing up for battle with a powerful enemy. Now, why is this so? Well, for one thing, God wants us to mature in every part of our life. And maturity doesn't come easy. There can be no growth without challenge. And there can be no challenge without change. And the life of faith presents challenges that keep us going and keep us growing. So that is an introduction. Let's look at Genesis chapter 14. At this time, Amraphel, king of Shinar, Ariah, king of Eleazar, Ketelmor, king of Elam, and Tadal, king of Goyim, went to war against Bera, king of Sodom, Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Adma. Shemeber, king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zoar. 
All these latter kings joined forces in the valley of Siddim, the Salt Sea. For twelve years they had been subject to Ketelamor, but in the thirteenth year they rebelled. In the fourteenth year, Ketelamor and the, the kings allied with him went out and defeated the Rephaites in Ashtoreth Karnaim, the Zuzites in Ham, the Emmites in Kaveh Kariathiam, sorry about the pronunciations, Kariathiam, and the Horites in the hill country of Seir as far as El Paran near the desert. Then they turned back and went to En Mishpat, that is Kadesh, and they conquered the whole territory of the Amalekites as well as the Amorites who were living in Hazazan Tamar. Then the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king of Adma, the king of Zeboim, the king of Bela, that is Zoar, marched out and drew up their battle lines in the valley of Sidim against Ketelamor, the king of Elam, Tidal, the king of Goyim, Amraphael, the king of Shinar, and Arioch, king of Elisar. Four kings against five. Now the valley of Sidim was full of tar pits, and when the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some of the men fell into them, and the rest fled to the hills. Four kings seized all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food, and then they went away. They also carried off Abram's nephew, Lot, and his possessions since he was living in Sodom. And, and so here, this section records the first war that's mentioned in the Bible, and it probably wouldn't have even been included here if it had not involved Abram. You know, what is written for us in the Word of God, the parts of history that are written, are given to us so that we can better understand how God worked out his great plan of salvation for the world. And so these historical facts are often given so that we can have windows into spiritual truth. The five city-states of the plain... Now, the plain of Jordan had been subject for 12 years to the kings of these four eastern cities. They revolted against them, and this, of course, was a declaration of independence, a declaration of war. And so the four kings invaded the plains of Jordan to bring these five kings and their cities into subjection. Now, we would consider, we would think that five kings should be able to defeat four kings, especially since they are fighting on their own turf. But the army of the five cities of the plain was soundly defeated by these invading kings. They were no match for the experienced, confident troops of Ketelamor. Tar and asphalt were native to the Dead Sea, which Josephus called the Asphalt Sea. Asphalt or tar still oozes in a liquid form from the southern part of the sea where these five towns once lay. Now, instead of using the tar pits for a strategic military advantage, many of the defenders ended up dying in those tar pits, and others escaped to the hill. Now, why does the Bible give us this detail? One suggestion is it's to underscore the incompetence of the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah and their armies. The fact that they met the enemy in the field suggests that the cities were not walled. Now, they had declared their independence a year or two before. They had a year or two to build a wall. Why had they not built a wall? And furthermore, they had that time to prepare the battlefield. And they were unprepared for the battle. So that's one possible reason. But more likely, the detail is given to us here to underscore the power and competence of this army that would later be defeated by Abram's little army of 318 men. 
so that the reader would better understand and appreciate the significance of the victory. Abram, by the way, was only about 20 miles away from this battle. And these former armies that came and invaded were invading the the land that was promised to Abram, but it didn't seem to disturb Abram at all. Abram knew that when God promised something, he always kept his promises. And so it was in God's hand. And so he didn't get involved in the war until he heard that Lot had been captured. Well, there are some lessons to be learned here, aren't there? And we trust and pray you are taking away some valuable insights into the faithfulness of God, no matter what the circumstances may seem. This has been Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands right here in San Bruno. If you would like to visit our website, it's highlands.us. You'll find past messages there as well as information about Church of the Highlands here in San Bruno, where we're located, and when we meet directions. Again, highlands.us. That's highlands.us. Tomorrow, we're back in Genesis chapter 14. Join us then for study verse by verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely.